Welcome to the RMD Podcast from Reverse Mortgage Daily, hosted by RMD editor Chris Clow. In this month's episode, Clow interviews John Luddy, the SVP of Reverse Lending at Norcom Mortgage. In this episode, he sits down with Clow to discuss some of the most effective sales tips for reverse mortgage professionals, as well as the advantages of training forward mortgage loan officers to conduct reverse business. Additionally, he also discusses the health of the modern reverse mortgage industry, which should be on the minds of originators as they prepare for 2022 and more. Thank you for listening, and here's the latest episode of RMD. John, thank you for taking the time to come onto the RMD podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. I love your your publications and and your podcast. Oh, well, thank you very much. It's very much appreciated. Uh, Obviously, you're a well-known element to me, and you're very likely a well-known element to the people who listen to this show, but you've never actually been on this show before. So what I like to do with podcast episodes is start out with a bit of an introduction for new guests. So if you don't mind... Uh, briefly recap for me your entrance into the reverse mortgage industry and how did you arrive in your current position at Norcom? Um, you know, I've been in the mortgage business over 30 years. I've only been working for three places. Um, and one of them was with the same boss. So almost two places in 30 years. Uh, I started with a, a, a mortgage company called McHugh Mortgage in Connecticut uh, Bill McHugh is a friend of mine. His family, my family, got in the business. Um, my sales manager left um, uh, McHugh Mortgage, and I joined him at Campbell Mortgage. It was there 20 years, and they went out of business. Both companies are now out of the origination business, both really put out of business by regulations. Just the the the, the cost to originate loans just became overwhelming with compliance. So um, my last employer went out of business. I knew that Norcom um, was a larger company than I had worked for. And like many companies wanted to do reverse mortgages, had tried them, but just couldn't seem to to get off the runway with them. So I, I called the owner and said, you don't know me, but I know you want to do reverse mortgages. I can do reverse mortgage, and I can train your forward people how to do reverse mortgages. So that's how I joined Norcom about six, seven years ago. And so uh, the position that you're in now, the title that you have, is that did that come about when you joined Norcom, or did that come about a little bit later? I think it came about a little bit later. You know, I'm now Mr. Big Shot, Senior Vice President. But (laughs) what I do, the tasks remain basically the same. I'm in charge of um, training our forward people on how to do reverse mortgages, assisting them on just the, the mechanics of the loan, but also more importantly, in my opinion, how to sell reverse mortgages. And I and I say sell, I'm doing an air quote, they can't see me, but um, I, I believe that that's our responsibility to our client to uh, sell them, so to speak. And so I do that and I have some reverse mortgage only people working at Norcom and then our forward branches. And so I run the, the product on both platforms. Excellent. Very good. Well, um, the, I think the fun thing about uh, getting together today for this episode, and I reached out to you a while ago, 
uh, about your your video updates, your tips that you share in terms of selling reverse mortgages. You've been releasing these video updates for your fellow reverse mortgage professionals for a while now. How did that start? And um, typically, what goes into your choices in terms of the kinds of information and tips to share with that audience? Well, interesting. They started uh, at a NERMA conference. I met Shannon Hicks, and we got talking. and And uh, we were at a cocktail party, and I was I was regaling them with some of my tips. I suppose the my most famous tip is the Old Spice tip. And um, we got talking about doing some some uh, shared videos. So I was on his platform for a couple of years. I would go into our main office. We have an excellent uh, marketing department who uh, helps me, and I shoot them. Sometimes I change my, my uh, tie a couple of times, and we may shoot a dozen at a time. Most of them are on script. They're all really unscripted. I just go in there with a couple of things to think about, a uh, little tips that, you know, some people that maybe aren't uh, worrying about selling as much as I am, uh, don't even think about, you know, things like when I go to a client's house, I, I don't ring the doorbell. Most of our clients have delayed maintenance. Many of the doorbells don't ring. So I usually call them on the phone to say I'm at your front door or I knock. You ring the doorbell, you wait, you wait, you wait, you ring the doorbell, they don't show up. Finally, you pound on the door that and then they show up with a walker saying, will you give me a minute? So uh, those little tips like that, uh, showing up on time is, an, is another tip that we all know to do that. But we don't realize how important that is for a senior who's standing at the window up and down waiting. You come 15 minutes late to an appointment with a senior, you might as well not get out of your car because they're, they're so wound up that, uh, it, you know, your percentage of closing that loan is going to be diminished by that. Do you think that that's uh, an important key is just keeping in mind the uh, the specific mindset of a of a senior client? It sounds like one of the things that you really try to emphasize when when you share these tips is uh, how they view their time and how they may value their time uh, more than uh, potentially a, a a client of a different age. How much does um, does just the tenor of a senior's mentality go into the tips that you choose to share? Well, I, you know, you trip to our three tips that I can think of, and that's the first is how they value their time. Many of them only want to do one task a day or even a week. So if you call them and say, all right, I know you want to get together with me. I'm going to be in your area Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday's not good. I have to go to the doctor. Well, if they go to the doctor in the morning, but they blocked out the whole day for that. So you do get that, and you have to be prepared for that. Showing up on time is just good manners. And we're dealing with maybe the last generation in this country that has manners. You're being invited to their home, so you want to show them the respect by showing up on time. But then as you talk about how do they receive information, one of the most important things that people should remember early in the conversation, ask them, what did you do when you were working if you're, if you're retired? What did you do for a living? People absorb information based on their life experience. So someone who was an engineer at Pratt & Whitney Aircraft Manufacturer is going to want a much different detailed explanation than the art teacher at the Vance Street Elementary School. 
So knowing what did they do and then listening carefully to their language and the speed in which they talk. People absorb information at the same rate in which they speak. So if your client is speaking to you slowly, slow down. They're absorbing it slowly and they need time to let it absorb like a sponge. So you're right. <laughs> well, it's funny just hearing you talk about and describe those kinds of mentalities. I'm wondering, and considering how many reverse mortgage professionals you've been in touch with over the course of your career, how much of the absorption of context clues that are specific to seniors can be taught? Is that something that you find that the reverse mortgage professional uh, can adequately be taught in order to understand where that senior is coming from? Or is there already kind of a degree of built-in talent that is necessary uh, that maybe can't be taught? I would answer that by saying all of the above. Oh. There are certain things that if God didn't give you, I can't put in. There are certain things that if you didn't learn at your mother's knee, I'll never be able to teach you. But if I didn't think I could teach people how to sell, I would retire. I would retire because there are certain basic things that can help you move that sales forward that you might not have thought about, but once you've been taught it, you can learn it. It's the Irish saying of the day, a craft ill-learned is a curse. Mm. So what, what, is, what do I mean about that? What's a sales tip that can relate to that? Asking clients, particularly the men, are they suffering from hearing loss? Can they hear you? Because if they can only hear every third word, they're never going to be able to move forward on such a complicated um, commitment as a reverse mortgages. So I always make sure that they can hear me. And if they can't, and my experience has been that given the same age, men have more hearing loss than women. That could be anecdotal, but I think it might be from, you know, up here in Connecticut, we have a lot of manufacturing, you know, they worked with loud noises their whole life. So I asked them to make sure they can hear me. Do I need to adjust my level or do I need to look directly at them and then apologize to the wife? I don't mean to be rude. I'm going to look at your husband so he can see me and, and hear me at the same time. And then, you know, bounce back to her just to make sure she's uh, she's absorbing it as well. Those are the things that can be taught. Trust me, you can you can teach that. You can't teach people how to do the right thing. Sure. And that you learn on your mother's knee. Of course. Yeah. Very understandable. It seems like um at least based on my understanding of of the of the sales process. And I've been in in sales positions, but not something quite like this. But uh, you have quite a bit to share when it comes to, how do I put it? Your sensory presentation, if that makes sense. Uh, you mentioned briefly before uh, your, your Old Spice tip, um, for instance. What would you say? So you say, say that has been your most popular tip that you've shared over the years. Uh, mm. What goes into that? And, uh, and how do you think that a reverse mortgage professional uh, might take that information uh, and apply it to a sales process going forward? Well, one of the things that when I'm training salespeople is I always tell them 
to play the cards you were dealt. I, I never am foolish enough to say, do this, this works. I always preface it by do this, it's worked for me, try it. Just try it. It may not work for you. We all come with a different story. So play the cards that you were dealt. Don't fight with a dealer. There's certain things that you can't change, but you don't need the best hand to win. Just play the cards that you're dealt best. And, and, you know, many times I go into people's homes where I'm not the first person that has been there to explain reverse mortgages. So I know that if you're conscious of the world around you and a good observer and a good listener and, and work on some fundamentals of the selling process, you can, you can help them and you can do that deal. And I sell without apology. I, I'm on a mission. I think that, you know, and our industry thinks that we're only satisfying only 5% of the need. That means 95% of the people in this country that could be helped by a reverse mortgage don't even know about it. So I do this with missionary zeal. I, I, I am here to, to, uh, to, uh, convert the, uh, the, the, uh, the uninformed. And I do that through my sales technique. I'm never changing people's minds. I'm not in the business of convincing them to do this. I'm in the business of giving them information to help them make a new decision. And that's the way you move towards the sale. I, I'm not there to arm wrestle them into signing paperwork. I'm there to help them understand the benefits of the reverse mortgage. And I do it with passion. And I train. I, I do my sales training with passion. I love training sales officers, particularly the skeptics that say, oh, I tried that one time. I'll never do that again. <laughs> well, uh, I'm, I'm curious if you would mind sharing uh, a couple of, of your tips in addition. Well, I mean, tell us about the Old Spice tip, but also what are some other tips that you've given over the years that have uh, that you know have resonated with people? Well, my Old Spice tip that's famous is um it's become world famous i'm surprised old spice hasn't called me just be their spokesman yeah um as i share with all of my clients one way or the other i'm a second generation funeral director when i was graduated from high school i was leaving the berlin fair and if you can see the sights and sounds of the fair there's a horde of people waiting to be shuttle bust out of the fair and i smell miss kaiser's perfume Miss Kaiser was my kindergarten teacher. I have no recollection of her at all. I went off to embalming school and met a girl who trained under her. And I said, you're not going to believe this. I smelled her perfume last year. I don't remember that she had perfume. I couldn't pick her out of a lineup. I have no recollection of her at all. But I had this flashback. And she said, that doesn't surprise me because she told us, always wear the same perfume every day. You're appealing to two senses. So when you, uh, with the, the young children see the same person and they smell the same person and it's very comforting and it's very, uh, assuring for them. So I do, um, I always wear old spice. I, Chris, I can't begin to tell you how many clients I walk in. They say, you smell just like my father did. <laughs> 
Ah, so it, it, the, yeah, it, you know, it's funny. I, I, I've had similar experiences where it just seems like nothing can transport you back in time quite like a smell. I, I'll tell you, I've talked with uh, uh, neurosurgeons about that, and they will tell you that the sense of smell is a great memory inducer. Hmm. And uh, I've got a big nose, so I can smell around the corner. And I've there's certain smells that conjure up uh, childhood memories and uh, uh, Jimmy's uh, smoke shop. Those kind of uh, memories pop back in when and they hit you, you know, cold. So so, mm-hmm. but it does work, and it's doing everything right. Another thing I tell you, part of my brand is is showing up with a suit and tie on. Mm. Even if your clients are in their pajamas, you know what I mean? They're, they're watching TV all day in their sweatsuit. You're the last important financial decision that many of them will make. And they deserve to meet with a with a, an old-fashioned type banker. That's what they're looking for. Even the younger ones, you will immediately be moved up in the, in their in their mind if sure. you show up with a suit and tie on. Yeah, you're just you know, many people only have one suit, just buy a bunch of ties. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, just trade around. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, it, it it occurs to me that uh when you wear a suit and tie, at least if you're a man anyway, uh then you're just received differently. There's a 100%. there's there's an error that that comes with that kind of a kind of an ensemble. But what what are what are some other examples of of some tips that you've given over the years that you think have uh, have resonated with your with your peers? Well, I will tell you this. One of the things that um, I, I'll I'll tell you a couple quick. One is I always include early in the conversation that there's no prepayment penalty, hmm. and quite frankly, that doesn't mean a lot. You know, these clients, 99.99% of them are not going to prepay. Um, but that speaks to my theory that I am not getting them to change their mind or convince them. I'm just validating what they need to know. So many times you'll go and see a client who absolutely needs a reverse mortgage. They don't have any other option, but they still need something to hang their hat on to validate that I did this because to be able to justify it in their mind, forget their pocketbook in their mind, they need something. And sometimes by saying, of course, there's no prepayment penalty. You'll see their body language change. 100% of the time, it's like the iceberg on froze. They go, okay, well then let's go. And I've trained a lot of mortgage officers and they call me and say, John, my God, you're right. That really made a difference to them. And I could feel the tension leave. And they're never going to re- repay this. You know what I mean? But it gave them an, a validation to be able to move forward on something that they had to do. So that's, that's a sales tip. Work that in early. I will tell you a sales tip that I talked about at a normal conference. I was on a panel in Long Beach. And and guys rushed the stage. People that have been in the business for years and years said, my God, John, that could change my career. I can't begin to tell you how many times have we made the perfect presentation, the perfect presentation. They need it. They want it. It's so important for them. 
the husband and the wife, you get all finished. You say, well, your next step is to move to counseling. And they say, well, let us review your paperwork and, and we're going to look this over and get back to you. And it's like, what? What are they going to get back to me? They need it. They may be in tax foreclosure. What, what are we talking about here? <laughs> Here's what happened. Before you got there, the husband said to the wife, Louise, we are not committing. Don't commit. We'll just get the information. We'll look it over and then we'll decide. 90% of husbands and wives do that. Before you get there, they've made that commitment. So how do you get them to move forward with you and not the guy that they have the appointment with tomorrow afternoon? Here's what works. And this works. You know what I mean? I, I'm going to tell you this without apologies. This works. Just say to them at that point, excuse me, uh, Tom and Louise, I left the brochure in my car I'd like to give you. So um, if, if you don't mind, I'm going to run out the front door. It's in my car. I'll come back. I'll leave the door unlocked. You could stay where you are. While you're out of the room, 100% of the time, the wife will say to the husband, Tom, let's move forward. This is just what we heard from, I want to get this over with. Let's go. Go back in. Assume the sale. Always remember that. Assume the sale. Move to close again, which for me is always to get them to call counseling. Mm -hmm. 99 times out of 100, they're ready to move forward. Sometimes they have one more question. They've discussed one little issue amongst themselves because while you're out of the room, they've regrouped. They've said, well, get them to explain again what happens when we die. You go in. Do you have any more questions before I leave? Yeah, tell me about the kids and blah, blah, blah. As soon as you get that done, move to get them to counseling 99 times out of 100, they'll move forward with you, cancel the appointment with the other guy. And and that's, I'm telling you, it's, that's foolproof. Sure. I'm, oh, please. No, yeah. you go ahead. I was just curious, uh, because the reverse mortgage is such a consultative process, uh, when you engage in those kinds of sales conversations, do they ask you during that uh, that time uh, if they're going to be able to remain in contact with you going forward, or is that something that maybe you introduce into the conversation? I introduce that into the conversation. I always go to my closings and I always tell them at the closing to call me if they have questions, problems. Um, if they get anything in the mail to call me and I give them my cell phone and say, listen, call me on the weekends. They'll get it. They'll get a piece of junk mail on a Saturday. And then they'll, they won't sleep until Monday morning when they call me. So I beg them, just pick up the phone because it's a two-minute conversation. Molly, that's the solicitation for life insurance. It's junk mail, throw it away. Takes, takes me less than a minute. And it keeps them from worrying all weekend. I would prefer, quite frankly, that they or their adult children, when the day of reckoning comes, call me first before they call the servicer. Because... Um, the servicing of reverse mortgages is tough. Sure. It, and so I would rather have a smooth landing by having me help them with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think that that's a very understandable perspective and one that uh, I've noticed a lot of reverse mortgage professionals share uh, is just that you're, you're not only getting me 
from origination to closing, you're getting me after that for the consultative process. And that's something that, frankly, the forward mortgage industry does not typically provide. I tell them they have me for life, my life or their life. <laughs> yeah, seem, seems fair. Seems it fair. seems fair. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, we're getting paid. We're, we're being... Uh, we're we're being compensated for that. And sometimes it's just a quick phone call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what do you think people most generally miss or get wrong when entering into a sales conversation with a senior client? Is there something more generally about having a discussion with a senior at large, or is it more specific to seniors who are receptive to reverse mortgages? Well, I think that, uh, well, the ones that raise their hand that say, I need a reverse mortgage are the only the 5%. And what I'm trying to teach the forward people here at Norcom is to also go after the 95%. And you do that by not chasing leads, but chasing lead sources. I tell them, don't be an annual, be a perennial. An annual is a burst of color dies in a year, can't withstand the storm. That's our forward people that are chasing leads to do refis. Be a perennial, build a strong network. A perennial, the first year it sleeps, the second year it creeps, the third year it leaps by building a strong root system. And in the sales business, that strong root system is a strong group of uh, network folks that will will send you... um, send you uh, clients that need it. So yeah, we, we, we aren't, we aren't uh, penetrating the market as we should. And it's because for some, they're not going after lead sources. Most people who have tried to do a reverse mortgage either stumble and can't justify the costs, can't reckon with the adult children, or as I talked about, the, the people that make, you make the perfect presentation to, then they go cold on you and they go somewhere else. And guys that aren't trained, guys and gals, um, aren't trained on how to overcome those objections go, I'll never do that again. I couldn't, I couldn't explain the costs in a way that my senior understood the value. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and so I do a lot of training on how to do that in, you know, it's very simple. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. You mentioned that you prefer to attend every closing. Uh, I'm curious then over the last 18 months, how the consultative process that you engage in was complicated by the pandemic. Um, did that prevent you from attending some closings? What, what what have you most had to reckon with during this time? Well, it, it has. And, and you know, one of the secrets of success is make sure that you're changing inside as fast as the world around you is changing. That's important. So I've had to learn how to use Teams meetings and Zoom meetings. And so um, I'm doing some selling with attorneys. I'm doing sales presentations to attorneys through Teams and Zoom. Uh, some family time, uh, we're, we're having them all hop on a, a a Zoom call. And so that's true. You have to do that. I prefer to be able to be looking at someone to see if they're nodding and understanding. Um, and sometimes it is past the paperwork uh, through the slot in the door and, and go over it with them. 
I don't like that, but that's because I, I, another sales tip. I always say, watch your language, watch their body language. Their body language speaks volume. Are they getting it? And so you can't get it um, if they if they won't let you in their home because of COVID. But we've had to deal with it. And I would honestly say I can't think of one client that we've lost because of that, because we couldn't do the face-to-face. And quite frankly, uh, COVID has given us a bit of a spike in the business adult children trying to keep mom at home and out of the convalescent home and using the reverse mortgage to fund in-house health care. So COVID has helped us uh, in terms of our volume of business. Sure. So yeah. it's, it's perverted, but it's true. No, I think, I think industry analysts would agree with you. I mean, just looking at the levels of volume compared to pre-pandemic and where we're at now, granted, you know, analysts are worried about the amount of refis being done, but you can't deny that the volume is in general on a raw level or higher. So you got to acknowledge the reality. I have two heckum to heckum refinances in the pipeline right now. They're the first two I have ever participated in. Really? And I've been doing reverse mortgages for over 15 years. Wow. That So that must have been a little surprising for you when those came across your desk. Um, they're both unique situations where it's appropriate. I, I am under the, uh, I fall into the group of guys that say churning uh, counts, you know, for an extra five or 10 grand in their pocket is not the way this industry should be conducting itself. Mm-hmm. We're, uh, why, if we're only tapping 5% of the people who could be helped by reverse mortgages, why would your uh, business plan be to go and churn those accounts over and over again? Go find new business. Mm-hmm. I love selling. Sure. <laughs> go spread the word. Yeah, of course. Uh, something else I'm curious about, just over the course of your time in the reverse mortgage business, uh, how would you say senior attitudes have most evolved over the course of your reverse career? And have any of those changes that you've seen those attitudes go through forced you to approach your client conversations differently? It sounds like uh, changing internally to meet the the world around you is an important principle. But when it comes to maybe attitudes that you've noticed on an individual level, how do those play into it? 100% change. Um Initially, 15, 18 years ago, my clients were, you know, the the uh, the classic little old lady, 72 years old, that needed a, an extra $500 a month. Today, for a variety of reasons, some driven by the economy, some driven by the product selection, our clients now are typically younger. Some of them are much more sophisticated. You know, someone who is 65 years old today has probably been working with computers throughout their career. So they're much more uh, computer uh, sophisticated. They may want us to email documents to them as versus to being uh, meeting them face to face. Certainly with with some of our products where the, the age goes down to 55, we're dealing. I mean, I'm writing mortgages for people 10 years younger than I am. Right. <laughs> so so that speaks to something, right? Yeah. Um, many of them are medically underemployed or unemployed. Um, 
but with with the new portfolio products, as I call them, I make no apology for that. Here's another sales tip. You say, um, uh, I, the, uh, the industry, I guess, likes to call the new products. Um, uh, I've tried to erase it from my brain. It seems like it's work proprietary, right? Proprietary. Uh, and they pound their chest proprietary. I'm the owner. This is my product. The client Here's predatory. And as I said, watch your language, watch their body language. It's technically for homes that can't be helped by the FHA's maximum claim amount. So in theory, they were designed for higher level uh, value homes. And those people like to talk about their portfolio. So trust me, it, it sells better in the streets when you talk about, but those clients are different in their handling of money, the people living in million dollar homes. One of the things I think the industry misses the boat that they don't think that those are needs-based mortgages, but they are. It's just a different need. Sure, They may have a different sophistication when it comes to money. There's even a little less emotion in the home in mortgaging the home, but, but their needs are, are, some of them are very severe. Sure. You know, someone that's borrowing a million dollars at seven plus percent has got a need. Mm-hmm. And, and the industry leaders have somehow convinced themselves that those are not needs-based mortgages, but they are. It's just a different need. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, and I'll be interested to see what the reaction is going to be. We're expecting new loan limits pretty soon. Uh, and it seems like the winds are moving in the direction of very close to a million for, for the FHA limit. Uh, so we'll have to see how that changes the equation as well. Well, it's going to also though, um, change the cost of, you know, of a reverse mortgage. Even when you get to that six, $800,000 level, that mortgage insurance premium gets pretty tough. Sure. I, I think FHA is is uh, is smart by doing that because I think that that can help build the portfolio with with in sense better loans perhaps and and richer uh, initial uh, mortgage insurance premiums. Uh, but many of those people might decide that they're better served by going to the portfolio loans because of the cost of those, which is fine. See, we give them more options. It makes it easier uh, for us to sell any one of those because you say, well, if you don't like this, that's okay with that. You know what I mean? Many of the portfolio loans have a range of of um, of interest rates, and and we're looking at the world through the wrong end of the telescope. So the higher the interest rate, the more we'll lend you. But it makes it easier to be able to sell a higher interest rate by saying, well, if you don't like that interest rate here, I'll give you this interest rate. It's just going to give you less money at the closing. Sure. Yeah. I I, th- I think that that's a lesson that's very well taken by our audience in particular. But um, we're, we're kind of winding down a little bit. I'd like to ask, uh, since we're getting close to the end of the year, how is the end of the year shaping up for you? And what do you think of the industry's overall health as we head into 2022? Well, I think that, um, again, 
as you know, I'm an expert on things I don't know anything about. And the economy is one. The experts are telling us that we have a robust U.S. economy. I see slippage in the economy. You know, my son and I went to buy uh, a new, uh, I call them sneakers. He calls them shoes. We went to New Balance, and uh, they had no uh, hiking shoes. Oh, and yeah. they they didn't have his shoes that he wanted his sneakers. They had mine. They're going to send his to his house. The supply chain. I mean, that's got to start to affect us. You know, the monopoly money that the the government's printing's got to start, and it's going to affect the forward people. It may not affect us in the reverse uh, world as much, and that will that will pique a lot of interest with a lot of forward people to enter our space. So I would suggest the uh, the people that are already in it uh, be prepared. Mm-hmm. Great. No, I think that you know, that's bring it on. Sure, sure. Well, an informed perspective as usual, and it's much appreciated. Uh, last real question that I have for you, John, is if people want to catch your tips that are still to come, what do they need to do? Um, if they're not receiving them, they should probably just reach out to me. Send me or shoot me an email. Uh, my email address is ugly, uh, but it's john.luddy, L-U-D-D-Y, at Norcom, N-O-R-C-O-M, dash USA, dot com. All right. <laughs> but if they shoot me an email, they could always call my cell phone. Or they could just Google search John Luddy or Norcom and get on the list. We have uh, my marketing department, which is brilliant, uh, has a mailing list. They send them out every week. So if you're not getting them... Um, reached out you know they're very uh they're short i try to be uh you know sometimes a little funny you know it's like have a bottle of mouthwash in your car with you because you have bad breath and if you're (laughs) going to go to someone's home don't have them uh trying to get rid of you because they can't stand your uh cigarette breath but uh and and some of them are a little more uh product knowledge based and i'd love to hear from other people with their sales tips you know, I've been doing this two, three years now. So that's once a week. That's that's over 100, 150 tips. So I, I love to hear from other folks on what works for them. So we could share it, mix it in the pot, stir it around so we all learn from each other. Absolutely. Sounds great. Well, John, thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be looking forward to more tips from you to come in 2022. Thank you. I, I appreciate your work so much. It's so great that you keep us informed. Uh, on what's going on. It's really a great resource that you provide us. So thank you on behalf of, uh, of all the folks that are out there in the trenches. Thank you. Oh, much appreciated, John. Uh, ha- happy to do it. Thank you. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing Housing Wire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Elsina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Well, thank you for listening to the RMD Podcast. And if you want more, you can find the show wherever you usually tune in, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Also look out for next month's episode. Thank you.